MNK Talk YA now presents Vicious Part 2 of The Villain's Duology by V.E. Schwab. to another episode of M&K Talk YA. I'm Katie Bradford. And I'm Marissa Snyder. And we're still here talking about lots of random stuff, all somewhat related to <laughs> YA fiction. Um, specifically this week, we finished up Vicious by V.E. Schwab, which is the first book in the villain series. Duology, I guess. Yeah. And I have to say, in the first episode of this, you had a prediction, or not really a prediction, but you were you had an idea about how Eli was, and I kind of shut it down, but it ended up being completely accurate. <laughs> so I'm sorry about that. <laughs> it's all good. As you know, I like always forget my own ideas later, so it makes it fun to read and also fun when you remind me that I was smarter than I remember. <laughs> yeah, because you were the one who was like, oh, I wonder if Eli really kind of feels self-loathing towards himself and maybe he's tried to kill himself but he can't because his ability is that he can heal himself and I was like no 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 he does he's not full of self-loathing he loves himself and then in this half of the book we see he really is uh, very conflicted about himself and he does have that moment where he tries to cut his wrists and heals immediately yeah so you were a lot closer than I thought it was interesting that we got a lot more of Eli the second half and yeah, he's not a good guy either. I mean, we kind of knew that already, but like now we really know it. There's no doubt in our minds. <laughs> For sure. And I think he's like such a he's such a fascinating character because he he's such a great lesson in like self-deception because like he believes that EO's come back without a soul and he's convinced that they're evil and he uses Victor as the um example of how he killed Angie and so he ma- he's made it like his life mission to like put these EOs out of their misery and rid the world of them because they're dangerous but the whole time he's do he's being a terrible person and killing people and he can't understand that he his ability to heal does not make him a good person and does not make him like god's gift to humanity he he's a monster and i think deep down he realizes that and hates himself for it but it's just like his way of coping is by telling himself that he's that it's a god-given gift well and i was kind of surprised by i thought he was gonna have an even stricter moral code and we do see kind of like some extreme convoluted moral things sort of at work like kind of in a messed up way but we also see him killing other people with no rem- like it doesn't actually it's not like a strict code that he actually follows it's sort of like an excuse mm-hmm. to or I don't know you know like, kind of like what you were saying earlier he's actually like motivated by something else entirely but he keeps kind of coming back to this idea of yeah if God wanted me to die like I gave him a chance to let me die or something you know like he kind yeah. of goes back to this like well God didn't interfere so I guess it's okay right because that, that's what he says when he kills his professor. Yeah. And he destroys all the research that they did together. I mean, and then he kills the janitor for, like, letting him in because he was a loose end. Yeah. And, it was like, and the professor was kind of an accident that he killed, but he fell down the stairs, I guess. But, yeah, he went out. Mm-hmm. He, like, stalked the janitor's schedule and ran him over. And Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So it's like 
telling himself that his gift doesn't hurt people so he's not a threat is just such a convoluted way of thinking but it's also fascinating that he can convince himself of that when he's clearly a terrible person yeah well and it doesn't seem like so even though he said that thing like eos could be they either made a deal with god or the devil right that's something Mm -hmm. he says so he's basically assuming his was with god so it's okay but he doesn't really get any information about the eos to figure out if they like could have also made a deal with god yeah Yeah. (laughs) i mean i guess the one thing is like he does kind of feel in himself that there's something missing like he describes it as like a rift almost Mm -hmm. and he does see that one eo i think his name's wallace wasn't it wallace and he left a note that said like he accidentally killed his family or something and he left a note that said no one is safe around me mm-hmm. i don't remember who it was but yeah i remember that story mm-hmm. but that was kind of sad because that like really reinforced his kind of messed up way of thinking um yeah he like the eo accidentally killed his family some i think it was like a crash or something and then he wrote online no one is safe near me yeah well and it's interesting Ugh. to see because we also get serena who is mm-hmm. like his sidekick and we see some stuff from her perspective and she's also a bad guy but has like a weird version of she like lets Eli convince her because she knows there's something wrong within herself she lets Uh Eli convince her that there's something wrong with all EOs including her little sister yeah and that was one of my favorite moments when Serena and Sydney actually did interact the second time and Serena couldn't kill her and told her, like, go be safe. But then the funny thing was, Sydney's version of be safe was to run right into the very <laughs> thing Serena was trying to protect her from. Um, <laughs> but she runs right to Victor. <laughs> it all worked out for our good bad guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who aren't really good at all. It's not even like they're bad guy, they're cast in bad guy light and are good. It's like they're actually still bad guys. I just feel more yeah. attached to, the, to them than the other bad guys. <laughs> I really like the character of Serena, too. I think she's one of my favorite characters just because of how, um, like, I, I she's just so brave. Like, mm-hmm. and she does have a power that is obviously very useful. Like, she can convince people to do whatever she wants. But I, I just thought it was very brave that, like, she knew Eli wanted to kill her and he and she kept arranging meetings with him mm-hmm. and she was just so confident that she could just say oh by the way don't kill me and he and he wouldn't like she was that confident in her ability and i love when she was comparing herself to Shahrazad from 1001 nights Mm-hmm. when because because it was like every day Eli comes to kill her and every day she talks him out of it essentially yeah. and i thought that was like such a great parallel but also just um like to indicate how strong her power is and how like she has been controlling Eli this entire time and that's the reason he's been keeping her alive and like hasn't been killing her like he's been trying to but she won't let him (laughs) well that was also interesting to watch him struggle against her power and how she actually kind of liked it because so few like she was growing it was like unsatisfactory or boring or something that she didn't even no one even tried to put up a fight like she didn't actually even have to convince them she just had to say it and they would buy it and she was feeling like lonely and stuff as a result and so she not only did Eli keep trying to kill her and she was trying to protect herself but I think she also had like a weird fascination with him too just because he wasn't like everyone else who just sort of 
bow down before her, you know? Mm-hmm. He, he like, tried to put up a fight. Like, he was worthy of a it challenge. Was. I'm kind of sad. I agree, though. I think she's an interesting character. I'm kind of sad she is a casualty at the end. I know. I know. Because, and I love the whole, like, like I was so curious about how she allowed Eli to convince her to kill Sydney the first time. And then, like you said, the second time she saves her. And that whole, like, love her sister, I, I wish... I wish she was still around so we could see more of that. Yeah. I agree. But also, she kind of reminds me of the queen in Red Queen. I forget. What's his Oh, Evangeline? No. The mom of the messed up kid in Red Queen. Oh, yeah. I can't remember her name now. But, like, I sort of... Maven's mom. Yeah, Maven's mom. I sort of am glad that someone with mind control is gone now because that's a really tricky one to deal with <laughs> totally that'd be hard to write too because like anytime you try to plot i bet you'd be like oh shoot that couldn't happen because she would just will it to happen and it would <laughs> i loved how victor and crew tricked her and were able to get around the fact that she does the mind control stuff like so like the final scene was it was all the big build-up basically for that final mm-hmm. scene and mitch is there with a gun that has no bullets in it <sighs> so when she tells him to fire at his own head she doesn't know there's no bullets. He knows there's no bullets and he can't do anything about it. So he still fires it at his head. Luckily, he's fine. Yep. And Victor basically sneaks up behind her with the help of our new buddy, Dominic? No. Dominic, Dominic. yeah. The teleporter. And cuts her teleporter. throat. Yeah, before she can say anything. So I thought that was clever. And I also thought it was interesting because Victor killed Detective... The other one, not Stell. Dane. Detective Dane. And then had Sydney bring him back to see if... The mind control work through death because it would have been yeah. he might not have killed Serena if there was another way around it or but like that like right. made it a hundred percent yeah everyone has to die that was nuts when he when he like killed the detective and then he brought had Sydney bring him back and he was like Eli's a hero and he was like oh god it didn't work <laughs> just kill him again yeah. <laughs> But it was interesting, too, at the end, whenever, um, because Victor was a casualty, too. Yeah. And I thought that was cool, like, how Sydney and Mitch and everyone knew instantly when Victor was killed because their pain came back. Yeah. And they were like, oh, no. Like, it was obvious immediately to them that he had died. And I loved how Eli, again, just kind of assumed he's sent by God and everything's going to work out for him and like whatever. And even though he kills Victor, he doesn't realize how bad it looks. Like I love how Victor set him up and yeah, you know, Eli like made his own trap basically. And the police who he wasn't even sure he trusted in the first place weren't compelled anymore. And they just come across Mm -hmm. someone who'd obviously been tortured to death and this guy who looks just fine and yep. yep and now he is going to be the one under arrest like the tables have totally turned now victor's free and eli's in jail and as great as eli's power is he still a feels pain he just heals quickly and b mm-hmm. it's yeah like he's not going to be able to protect himself at all he's just going to be able to not die which could be terrible <laughs> i oh my god i'm very curious yeah. to see this next book but i also i love how I totally agree. I wasn't sure because we knew there was a big gap between when the first and second book were written. I wasn't sh- sure that, like, this could have been a standalone. I'm excited there's a sequel because I love these characters and I love this world, but I also like that it felt like a very clean ending. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree. Because I love, and I love how it ends with Sydney in the graveyard. Yeah, the, like, parallel, yeah. Clearly going to go resurrect Victor. Like, it was a great parallel. Okay, but here, I... Yeah, go ahead. Because when... 
Sydney resurrected Barry, the other EO, the first EO she resurrected, Mm -hmm. his powers were all shoddy. So I'm kind of curious to see how Victor comes back. That was my question too. Will Will Victor still have his power? And if you remember, Barry was immune to all the other EO powers. Oh, yeah. Like, he was immune Mm -hmm. to um, Victor's power. So, I, like... But I still just just have so many questions about Barry. Like, we don't really know what his power was to begin with. Like, maybe it was some... I don't know. Like, it... Yeah, that's true. Like, Barry's a hard case because we don't know that much about him. But, but yes. I totally agree. It'll be interesting. I wonder if it's going to be, like, a reverse story. Like, if Eli's just going to try and get out of jail and kill Victor, and Victor's going to be avoiding him, or if it'll be more interesting than that. I think it's going to be more cat and mouse. Because I feel like Eli is going to escape somehow. Like, it's not going to be like a courtroom drama. He's going to get out somehow, I think. That's, that's my prediction, at least. I think it skips time. I think it skips time, too, so. Oh, does it? Oh, okay. But, or maybe I'm just remembering that she took a lot of time between the two books. But I thought something about it skipping time, too. I guess we'll find out. Yeah, and I guess it's it's going to be interesting to see, like, how much the detectives come into it. Because, like, Detective Stell knows about e- EOs. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know the extent to which, like, he's going to come into play and... And we've still got Mitch on our side who can help... Oh, yeah. ...hide digital trails and stuff. I, we've got a really good team between Dominic who can... Like, I loved when the gun went off and they immediately, like, froze time or jumped through time or whatever mm-hmm. however we call the shadow world place where he goes and he was able to save Sydney. Sydney, yeah. But it's, it's just, yeah, it's going to be... Interesting. I hope we see more EOs, especially with Serena gone and with Eli not killing all of them. I hope we get some more interesting powers and like kind of these complex, broken people. Mm -hmm. And I love the stories of how they die, what they were thinking and how their power develops. I love those stories. I was just saying, because there was the one, um, Eli also kills an EO named Zachary, who died in a collapsed mine, and his last thought was that he didn't want to die alone, and when he meets Eli, he's begging him to make them go away, and he was like, can't you hear them? Please make them go away. So I was like, ooh, is he is his power something about, like, he can hear voices, or like, or see, people? see people yeah. who aren't there? Yeah, I forgot that was, that was so cool. creepy. And creepy. But yeah, I ho- totally hope we see more of those, because that's really fascinating. And it is interesting too you kind of touched on this it's like your biggest wish in death is like a curse in life sort of thing like mm-hmm. almost all of these seem like good ideas but then they actually like you can't escape them it's like you know I don't know it's like this whole blessing is a curse kind of idea as well yeah yeah and I loved how um like with the cop thing I I liked how like at the beginning I was like oh Eli's working with the cops somehow and then you find out that it's really the cops who are working for Eli yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I totally thought they recruited him at the beginning Me too. and, and then yeah. it was just Serena controlling them <laughs> Um, she was really good at making her yeah she was a I liked her she was just so diabolical too like when she confessed to or when she was talking about how she willed a boy to jump off a bridge just to like test her powers and that's the thing like they're so fascinating because they all know that they're monsters but they're but they're so good at like pretending not to see it or somehow convincing themselves that it's 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 worthwhile or it's justified or something like that that's just just like and i wonder if it's because they're they're eos and they're missing something essential like they touched on that like you're missing balance or empathy or like some kind of crucial soul yeah makes you human or your soul yeah so it's interesting to see that play out in different ways too 
Yeah, I forget which. I think it was Victor or maybe Eli or maybe someone completely different who was talking about like remembering how they should feel. So they weren't actually feeling it, but they were like Mm. acknowledging like they could remember that they should feel guilt or remorse or whatever. And yeah, it is. Yeah, it's just, they're very, it's very interesting. I'm loving it. Um, I hope we get to see more about Mitch, too, because I liked his, we got a little bit of his backstory where he was talking about, like, a curse that follows him around where people seem to die wherever he goes. Mm-hmm. And at first I was like, oh, is he an EO? But he's, I don't think he, he's not. He isn't. I don't think so either, yeah. But it's just, I thought that was, like, such a strange thing where he thinks he's cursed and he actually went to jail kind of because of it, because in the wrong place at the wrong time yeah, kind of thing yeah exactly. over and over and over, over again. and over <laughs> and so and i thought it was fascinating too when he was like you know what screw it i'm just actually gonna commit a crime so i can actually go to jail for something i did rather than something i didn't do and how and it was like a bank robbery and he was like the behind yeah. the scenes guy and he still was the one who got in trouble for being physically there even though he wasn't on camera like just every it was a humorous so unlucky unlucky streak and it also gave you good motivation for why him how his and victor's friendship started i thought that was cool yeah, to see he was I like agree. this guy my roommate is not gonna die this time and of course he doesn't know yep. anything about victor initially and he's like <laughs> trying to protect this guy who needs no help <laughs> yeah i'm i'm really enjoying it so far i have to say i'm really excited for the next book backstory wise though the person i want to hear more about is i'm still kind of curious about angie i kind of thought we'd get more about oh. her or her or her influence um and i'm sort of curious to see because i feel like she was a big thing between eli and victor mm-hmm. and sort of the spark for a lot of this stuff and i sort of feel like she's sort of two-dimensional right now but i can't imagine she's two-dimensional if she attracted both eli and victor and it's yeah. someone worth knowing because they don't seem particularly drawn to boring people so you think we'll get more of her backstory in the next book? I don't really... I mean, I don't expect it. I just would really like it. Yeah. I feel like a, a short story, if I ever get around to reading it, that would be a good like subject for a short story, maybe. Yeah. I'm curious, because if this next one... I'm hoping it still follows Eli and Victor primarily. And if But if it skips yeah. time, even if it goes back in time, it may just be between the end of this book and the start of the next book. But if it goes back even further, I would like to see more Angie. Agreed. And, I, and I'm just so curious where the next book's going to go because, like, even at the end of this book, I mean, we had that great scene with Victor and Eli trying to kill one another. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of like, and I think Eli is the one who was like, where do you think this is going to end? Like, I can heal instantly. How do you think you can beat me? And even though Victor, like, knew he couldn't kill him, he was still, like, getting so much joy out of hurting him. Yeah. <laughs> like, he was genuinely enjoying trying to kill him even though he knew he would not be successful. Which I think might be one of my favorite scenes. <laughs> Not that I'd like really like to see that in a movie, but I just I I liked the idea of like Victor just trying his best to do something that he know he'll fail at, mm-hmm. but just being so stubborn and just doing it anyway. Yeah, it was... but like how how is it going to end? Like if you can't die, how how do you get stopped? I like, don't know. Does he just go to jail for the rest of his life? Like, I mean, this I thought this was a really smart, clever ending because if he's locked up. But yeah, I mean, and he doesn't age, but can he, can he, is he really immortal or does he just self-heal? Like, even though he's not aging physically, is he still like, That's a good question. you know, I don't know. Because that could be a terrible punishment if he's just like locked up forever and he never dies. It reminds me of, um, I don't know, Red Rising. Gwenlian. Oh, Gwenlian. <laughs> oh, it's another <laughs> <laughs> maybe he'll be Gwen Lee in a book too that would be funny 
I also, I just loved, I, I mean, I just loved everything about this book. I'm not going to lie, but I, I think her writing style, I don't even know specifically what about it I find so enjoyable, but it wasn't even just the characters and like the clean plot and the background and all this other stuff. I love like the mm-hmm. jumping back and forth. I thought it worked really well, but there's certain like turns of phrases and stuff that are just so, I don't know, well done. I like, mm-hmm. I like the way she writes. I, I'm I just, I totally agree. I, and I love that it's a passion project. Yeah. And and that's interesting too because I remember I really liked Shades of Magic, but I remember that wasn't your favorite one that we read. It wasn't, but I feel like I want to go read it again now because I'm just so pro V.E. Schwab at the moment. And I want to read like all yeah. of her other stuff too. Same here. She's written a lot, so. Yeah, mostly. So these are still, she has like stuff for even younger writers, right? Like more true teen. Yes, I believe so. So maybe we should do one of those series or something eventually. I don't really know that much about it. I am totally down for that. Um, did you do any research this week? Ugh. I knew you were going to ask me because obviously we always ask this. <laughs> I didn't do any good research this week. I kind of was all over the place, which isn't unusual. But I don't even yeah. know how I got onto this. But do you, want, <laughs> do you want to hear something interesting I learned? Absolutely. You don't have to report finding a dead body. It's legal to not report finding a dead body in most states. Really? In most states? Yes. There are 32 states where it is illegal to intentionally not report a dead body. Whoa. So how I came upon this was Eli called the detectives and said there's a dead body at the bar, but we know Mitch wasn't actually dead. And then the cops showed up and looked for the dead body, and then there was no dead body. And I somehow I like started Googling stuff related to that, and I ended up with, kind of the opposite situation which is there is a dead body and nobody said anything about it so I was reading some kind of disturbing stories about people who just like didn't report dead bodies usually it's someone in their house and like one wait like they found a dead body in their house I mean like usually it was like an aunt or a mother or a sister or a girlfriend so in 2015 this woman Elizabeth Fries she basically she shared a home with her older sister in Oregon and her sister died of I believe natural causes and they like I don't know if they had other issues like the house was just kind of like full of garbage and stuff when they actually found it and so um the sister was still in her bed rotting for five months before the Elizabeth the other sister fell off of a porch and she needed medical attention And that's when the emergency responders showed up and they found the other body and everyone was like, oh my goodness, this must be terrible. But then this article goes on to talk about how you're under no like obligation in most places to report a death. So if you're a police officer, the rules might be different or things like that. But like regular people, if there's no indication of a crime taking place, typically aren't obligated. So most of the stories I read were like in a home of someone who also lived there. And how do you live with a dead body in your house? So yeah, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why you shouldn't do that from (laughs) the it's weird to the it's unsanitary to the you know, etc. Yeah. And you're not allowed it is illegal to do a lot of things to a corpse. So like any kind of abuse to a corpse, you can't you're not actually supposed to move a corpse unless like you're calling 911 and they're telling you to do something. You're not mm-hmm. supposed to, you know, 
chop up a corpse, anything. So there's like a lot of, it's, it's sort of like this loophole because there's a lot of things that you can and can't do related to dead bodies, but technically you don't have to call it in if there was no crime. But what if you're like walking in the forest and you see someone who looks like they were murdered? So would you be legally obligated to report that? It depends on where you live. So there is like, you've heard of the Good Samaritan law or whatever, right? That's basically like if you're trying to help someone, like if someone needs CPR and you yeah. get them CPR and you break their rib, you're like not at fault or you you're not right. um whatever liable yeah yeah there's some like extreme good samaritan law i forget which state it's in it's basically like if you don't help someone who you can help you're in trouble <laughs> Ooh, so wow. i would think that seeing a dead body and doing nothing would be an issue in a state like that okay oh that's interesting yeah and there's a lot of debate like well not debate but there was this other case of this woman who she like kept calling trying to call her mom who was a drug addict and her mom wasn't picking up so she dropped by the apartment and her mom's boyfriend was like high on the bed and her mom had been dead for multiple days in the other room and there's other story like if you if your neighbors do end up complaining because of a smell or something like that you could be in trouble for like disturbing your neighbors not necessarily for oh not reporting God. a body and things like that so yeah that made me think of the witch elm did you read the witch elm yet yeah i did Oh, doesn't that make you think of that? How, like, they find the body and then, like, start to regret reporting it? I get it now, but it did not come to mind right away. Yeah. I mean, it is kind of interesting because then I was reading, like, what should you do if you find a body? Yeah. Like, what's, um... What do you do? Call 911? That's probably what I would do. Yeah. Basically, you should call 911. So, <laughs> the most important thing to do is out. remain calm. <laughs> Yeah, I would pee my pants and then I'd have to regroup, calm down. And then they they also said there's a lot of times when someone might look dead but not be dead yet. So you also kind of oh. want to confirm that they're dead, but you don't want to disturb the scene, especially oh. if it looks like some kind of crime scene. So they said, like, basically... I definitely would skip that part. Yeah, when in doubt, still call 911 because they'll walk you through what to do. So, like, if you're on the phone oh. with them, they might say, like, can you feel a pulse? Do you see any breathing? That kind of stuff. Yeah, and sometimes you may think you saw a dead body, but it could just be someone who's injured or unconscious and maybe just taking a little rest. It'll all be okay. Oh yeah, this is Let's this go. is where I was talking about. In Vermont, a person can actually be found liable if they do not stop to render aid. So that's like sort yeah. of an extreme good Samaritan. Yeah. No other states require a person to offer assistance to those in distress though. Hmm. Just in Vermont. And they said if you come across a dead body in an odd place or under circumstances that seem suspicious or nonsensical or or obviously a crime, then you definitely don't want to disturb the scene or touch it, but you yeah. should still call nine one one. That's basically the moral of the story yeah. is call 911. <laughs> yeah. I, not as your lawyer legal advice giver, but just as a, another person in the world, I would just say if you see a potentially dead body, call 911. <laughs> and don't touch it. But you will probably have to wait until authorities arrive to give your statement. And they, I guess oh, there yeah. are ways that you can anonymously report a body to the police but hmm. it can make you look more suspicious. So they like this article wasn't like a legal thing or anything, but it was just kind of basically saying you should call 911, you should do whatever the 911 operator tells you, and you should wait around until you're basically told you can go by the yeah. police and medical examiner and stuff. Because you'd want to help whoever, you know, whoever it was the person was related to, like you'd want to try and help as much as you can. Yeah, to... imagine it was your family and that someone yeah. came across them. Yeah. So then I was reading all these other like policies about what I told you. I like I don't even know what this really has nothing to do with the story <laughs> at all. <laughs> but I was reading different things about like in certain situations, what is the medical examiner supposed to do? What is the police supposed to do? Like 
how, what can you tell about the death? When do you rule things like a homicide? When do you rule it natural causes? Like obviously if you, in a lot of cases, you'll do some kind of medical exam to verify, especially if there's any suggestion that it, you know, it wasn't someone who was sick and died in their bed. It was someone, yeah, especially like a stabbing or a gun wound is like always ruled initially as a homicide. It was just, I, it was really morbid. I don't know why I went off yeah. on this tangent. <laughs> So then the other thing I decided to look up, because, you know, this is way more exciting, is crowdsourcing manhunts. So wow, <laughs> I was thinking about how it was just the police officers in this case, but um, Serena and Eli called like all the police officers in town and had them out looking for Victor and Mitch, but they didn't know mm-hmm. what Victor and Mitch looked like. So they had like a description of <laughs> Mitch, but basically Victor's like walking by police officers and fine. Um, I also thought this is unrelated to what I was just saying, but wasn't it funny that Eli and Victor were actually staying in the same hotel the whole time? Oh my gosh, yes. Or not the whole time, but at least through the course of these. That was so funny. (laughs) I love that detail. I realized it in part two, like at the very beginning, I was like, wait, that hotel sounds really familiar. And then I was like, oh, that's the same one. And then we saw Mitch in the lobby or whatever, but. But yeah, so you may remember during the, after the bombing at the Boston Marathon, there was like this whole thing, basically the media went out of control and was like accusing the wrong people of being involved because Mm -hmm. there were like a bunch of like armchair detectives, they call them, who were taking the evidence that was available and trying, you know, like they were trying to help, but they actually like went off on a completely wrong direction and it, it was a really negative thing. But then I was also reading about how in some other cases not necessarily anything where it's been solved but even things like serial so the this like uh, true crime interest that we have and all these movies and podcasts that are out now have brought attention that has in some cases brought up new facts or helped trials be redone serial yeah they read they did a whatchamacallit like retrial retrial it's just kind of interesting to like read more about it and then this article I was reading was basically like why didn't it work on why did reddit not help find the boston marathon bombers and part of it was like Mm. the evidence that ultimately was used to identify the correct suspects wasn't publicly available and if it had been it might they still might have been able to help and really compared to experts in that case there was a whole team of experts that were crowdsourcing so in other cases where you have like a a police force that's stretched thin and cold cases Mm -hmm. and stuff like that there may be more value to like social media and public interest but every time one of these cases gets a lot of attention there's a lot of people theorizing things and mm-hmm. making suggestions that aren't actually helpful or bringing up evidence that isn't really related. So while there can be some benefits to it, it isn't always as helpful as you might think. <laughs> we have a long yeah. way to go before we can really crowdsource crime manhunt prevention stuff. I wonder if there's, I wonder like in which cases police actually did rely on like the knowledge or expertise of like just a random civilian to like catch someone because like you hear stories of that happening I didn't see any stories of specific things that happened and but one of the but they I mean I saw like some general things that were like um this one guy who had a bunch of cold cases would put up like Facebook places or something for Hmm. the victims and people would comment and like share memories and stuff and occasionally that Hmm. would like help make something like provide a clue or something that they overlooked or didn't know some information that they didn't know yeah and um there, i guess yeah. there was this guy who was kidnapped and murdered jacob wetterling oh yeah 
who was in a, the dark de- that podcast in 1989 he did a podcast about that yeah yeah and then in 2016 some blogger was able to push to get the case reopened and eventually they got a confession from the killer and stuff like that mm-hmm. and i also read about yeah. how in general detectives tend to operate under this principle of occam's razor it's like a problem solving principle mm-hmm. that says all other things being equal the simplest explanation makes the most sense kind of thing so yeah the example was if you hear hoofbeats think horses not zebras and i just thought that was a funny example <laughs> but um yeah there's a lot of like it, how to distinguish like a true crime podcast from a conspiracy theory from you know i mean like there's a lot of like it's hard to there's still just a lot out there and it's almost too much to be super helpful right now yeah I believe that. But also, I mean, if the thing is like, maybe someone knows something and they just don't know that it's helpful even. Yeah. You know, having social media or some kind of crowdsourcing can be helpful to get those little details that can help solve a crime that people might know, might not know is important. Well, there was also this story about, so they, I guess they put a ton of pictures of Mars somewhere and they had, they like crowdsourced identifying where craters were. It was called the Click Worker Experiment from NASA, and it was like in 2000, 2001, they had tens of thousands of amateurs look at photos of Mars to identify craters and classify them by age, and they (laughs) found that the aggregated judgment of all of these amateur click workers was virtually indistinguishable from the input of a geologist with years of experience. What? But like, do they even know what to look for? So I guess... I don't know how much information they were actually given to help, but I think to some extent they're saying as long as you have enough people, you're going to like converge on the truth without enough tra- that much training. And so that was also part of this article about like Reddit versus the Boston yeah. Marathon Bombers because I guess Reddit, the, I don't use Reddit very much, but you can like vote things up and down and stuff. So you tend to oh, okay. converge on an opinion versus if they had just had the information out there and people could submit without like voting on other people's stuff, their own opinions, and then they aggregated those opinions they think it might have been more oh yeah that makes sense truthful instead of like the influence of like following the crowd that you get yeah from yeah oh that's so fascinating yeah it was pretty interesting and I did go to the museum in DC I can't remember if I've told you about this before oh yeah you told me about that yeah but there was a really cool exhibit on terrorism in the news and this was a piece of it was the Boston Marathon Hmm. bombing and the role the news played in that but also things related to I don't know, it's just, it's it's really interesting to think about information and how we share it these days and how easy it is to get it out there, but also how it can yep. be misinterpreted and like, there's just a lot at play. But basically, both of these things had very little to do with the book. So did you do any relevant research this week? <laughs> um, My mind is a weird place in case you, if you just started listening to us. Sometimes I'm a little bit more relevant. <laughs> Usually I'm not. Katie is famous. For these amazing wormholes of research <laughs> that would be okay so again if you've listened to this you've heard this before but one of my biggest fears is going to jail for something i didn't do and we also talk about how our research probably would make us look suspicious in different crimes and i'm oh, kind of yeah. worried that even if i told you while i was researching for my podcast they'd be like this has nothing to do with the book <laughs> They would read all the books and then like check it again, check it against our research. And they were like, yeah, this doesn't pan out here. I guess technically this episode is out there. So they'll they'll know. But I I could just see myself on stage them being like, so how does 
looking up, you don't have to report a dead body, relate to this book by V.E. Schwab. And I'm like, well, in this one scene, a body isn't there when it should be. And I was just thinking about... Uh, Anyways, so... My research is kind of tangentially related as well. Okay. I really liked Mitch's story about how he was sick of being in the wrong place in the wrong time and going to jail for crimes he didn't commit. Uh Uh-huh. So he just randomly decided to commit a crime. (laughs) And so I started researching, like, stupidest reasons people committed a crime. I love it. Which turned into just, like, um, stories of criminals who are, like, so stupid (laughs) that they got caught for ridiculous reasons. Like, basically, it's their own fault they got caught. (laughs) I'm already excited. Oh my gosh. Okay, so, all right. The first one was, um, there were these two robbers from Fairfield, Connecticut, and they decided they were going to rob a bank. Um, his name was Albert Bailey, and um, he had a younger guy who was his accomplice. His accomplice. And so, instead of, like, just barging into this bank with, like, guns and masks and stuff, they decided they were going to call ahead to alert the bank <laughs> that they were going to come and rob them. So, <laughs> they... <laughs> They so told, they called the bank. Did they think that would like help them prepare to give over their money or something? Oh my goodness! Okay, I think, I think so. I think they like wanted to call and like be threatening, like, "Hey, we're coming to rob your bank." <laughs> and so they, he told the person on the other end to, that he had to give his accomplice a hundred thousand dollars in large bills. And that his accomplice would be by soon to pick it up. <laughs> and if he didn't, there would be a bloodbath, quote unquote. So the employee immediately called the cops. Okay. who started a, a, a lockdown initiation, essentially. Well, and then they like the police just showed up at the, at the bank and just waited for these clowns. <laughs> and so at like basically as soon as the, the cops arrived, Bailey's accomplishment walked over to the teller and handed him a note that said, I'm the guy picking up the money. <laughs> it's just so stupid. Oh, man. And so... Why would you even have a note? Even that is dumb. You should just say it, if anything, and hope that it's no, not on that's camera. What that's what you're supposed to do. Oh, pass a note? Yeah. Wait, why is that better? Um, I was talking to Alicia about this because her mom works in a bank, and she has, like, she's been robbed. Like, she's been... People come in and rob banks a lot, and she has experienced it. And she said, like, Whoa. yeah, I know, isn't that nuts? Um, but she said, like, they come in and they just hand you a note. Like, it's very calm. It's not like someone's coming and waving a gun. It's like someone just quietly walks up to the teller and just slips them a note saying, like, I have a weapon. Give me all the money in your desk. And it's like a very quiet transaction. And then she said that there's, like, a protocol for what you do. Like, you give them the money, you stay calm, and then after they leave, you call the police. Huh. But you don't say anything because, like, if there are cameras or anything, like, you don't want people to hear your voice. You don't want people to see your face. Like, you want to be as nondescript as possible. So, yeah, that's what... Well, okay, that makes more do. sense to me. You don't want me. people to panic, you know? Yeah, but... If you're going to rob a bank. But if you're... If all you're saying is, I'm here to get the money, I feel like <laughs> if you've already called ahead, you don't need the note on you that's, like, it's me or in your handwriting. At that point, you might as well just say, hey, I'm the one who called earlier. Because then no one would yeah. panic either. Maybe. I don't know. Anyways. Okay. That's interesting, though. I didn't know. So basically, what you're telling me is if I write a note, I can go rob a bank as long as I can get away fast enough. That's how you do it. Okay. You heard it here first, folks. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So you don't have to Google it now. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So 
they were arrested on the spot. Mm -hmm. So how did they get his accomplice, though? How did they get the guy who called in the first place? I think both of them showed up. (laughs) Oh, wait. Bailey was sitting outside in the getaway vehicle. (laughs) Oh, man. Because that would be a really good way to set someone else up for a crime. Call ahead and say, this guy's coming. Okay. Okay. So, oh, this is interesting. So, okay, in Arizona, Ooh. a woman stops at a gas station before work, and a man who was filling his tank took a minute to break into her car when she was away. So she like stopped at a gas station while she was away. This man broke into her car. He stole her belongings. He stole her purse, her credit card, etc. And it says then he drove away without paying for the gas, only stopping to pick up a friend who had been shoplifting inside the store. <laughs> So, really interestingly top enough, class group of kids right there. <laughs> yeah, really. A couple days later, the guy who stole this woman's stuff went into a restaurant and she happened to be a waitress there. <laughs> and when he went to pay for his meal, he used his stolen credit card. Oh my goodness. So, this waitress like went to check out this man and saw her own credit card in the bill in the bill and like in the check and like, realized that it was the guy who had robbed her. That's actually awesome. I love that. Yeah, that it feels, is. Like, but, like, how justice. stupid. Because, yeah. like, it had her... It had her ID. Like, yeah, her he wallet. had her wallet. It had her credit card. Like. And he probably saw her, at least briefly, leave her car. Yeah. Yeah. So he handed her own credit card back to her. Oh, my goodness. So that's kind of a good story. Also, shouldn't you even be... Shouldn't you not be using the credit card? Shouldn't you be using, like, the cash and stuff? Because couldn't they trace the credit card anyways? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, this is so funny. Um, so this man, Nicholas Wig, was caught. So he was robbing a house. And the, the reason he was caught, because he logged into Facebook while he was <laughs> robbing the house. And he left his Facebook open <laughs> on the computer. Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. Oh, my gosh. And then, That's what um, incognito this... mode is for, if you just can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> He just, like, had to check his status or whatever. See how many likes, if anyone commented on. Hey, robbing this house now. (laughs) Checking in. (laughs) Four square. (laughs) Um, Okay, so this woman, Tanya Ann Fowler, she she was arrested for wasting police time because she dialed 911 to complain about her mugshot. That's fair. That's hilarious. Um, it's not a great mugshot, so I can see why she was upset by it. <laughs> and then this last one, this is just like a random strange crime that I thought was kind of, it, I mean, it's insane. So there was this guy who <laughs> was getting married and realized on the day of his wedding that he forgot to confirm and book the wedding venue. Oh my goodness. I don't mean I don't mean to give you I like No, why are you telling me these things? PTSD for your <laughs> wedding. But so he realized he made this colossal colossal mistake and instead of confronting his his wife to be, he was so nervous about her reaction that he called, he called the venue and made a hoax bomb threat so that no one would show up at the wedding. <laughs> and he was arrested and jailed for 12 months. And he told the court that he could not face telling his friends and family about the error. So, and so his way around it was to call in a bomb threat for his own wedding. My question is, did he still end up married? Good question. <laughs> it does not say. I hope not, because yikes. Yeah, especially because then, and then starting your life off, your first year of marriage with him in jail <laughs> for ruining your wedding, among other things. Yes. <laughs> Ugh. 
Yeah, so those are the stories I looked into. So my favorite thing about Mitch is still that he loves his chocolate milk. And I work at, oh, at yeah. a company now, and part of what they do is produce milk. And I was at corporate today, and there was chocolate milk in the fridge for people to Did take. You get some? And I took some, and I thought about Mitch while oh, I drank it. Oh, now I want some. <laughs> You'll have to come visit me at the office sometime. Okay. <laughs> Deal. Okay. Ugh. It's awesome right now. I'm like kind of. I had to like climb over piles of books and I'm like surrounded by books right now because I started opening all those boxes, but we don't have enough bookshelves for me to put them all away yet. So I was like sorting them, but uh, I kind of feel like I'm a book hoarder all of a sudden. Well, do not take Marie Kondo's advice because I do not believe that ideally we should have only 30 books in our house. That doesn't make any sense to me. Crap. That was horrifying when I read that. No. Uh, I'm sorry. I can't. We disagree. I'm going to have to avoid everything she says now. I'll tell James the reason I can't throw anything away is because she was wrong about books. <laughs> no. Exactly. Oh, should we talk about the, this next book that we're going to read then? Yes. In this series? Yes, we should. Uh, Vengeful is the name of it. Mm-hmm. We will read up to part three called Ascension for next week. Ascensions? Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Do you want to read a little bit about the back? Yes. Magneto and Professor X. Mm. Superman and Lux Luther. Sydney and Serena Clark. Victor Vale and Eli Ever. Great partnerships now soured on the vine. But Marcella Riggins needs no one. Flushed from her brush with death, she's finally gained the control she always sought and will use her newfound power to bring the city of Merritt to its knees. She'll do whatever it takes collecting her own sidekicks and leveraging the two most infamous EOs, Victor Vale and Eli Ever, against each other once more. With Marcella's rise, new enmities create opportunity, and the stage of merit will once again be set for a final terrible reckoning. Ooh, Ooh I'm so glad we get new characters. We, That's exciting. We get new characters, Marcella and her sidekicks, and we still huh, get Victor funny. Vale Everyone and Eli. Uses, every superhero needs a sidekick. Okay. And I love how Eli and Victor are like refuse to be each other's sidekicks. <laughs> I actually, that's going to be my prediction. Do you think they're going to have to team up somehow because there's someone Ooh. worse than them? Yes, that's a great idea. But I also feel like that's so again. I she'd have to be really bad to get both of them. I don't know. I feel like all Victor cares about is torturing Eli. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. That's true. <laughs> well, we'll I find out. Yeah, okay. I'm excited to go back. I'm glad we didn't have to wait five Me years. Too. Do you have a joke for me? I sure do. Okay. What country's capital is the fastest growing? Uh, Hungary. That's a good guess. No. <laughs> Ireland. Every day it's Dublin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. When you first said Ireland, I was like, I, what could that be? I, like, almost didn't even listen to the, <laughs> the actual punchline. <laughs> Oh boy, that's bad. <laughs> that was awesome. I loved it. But I love it. If you guys want to get in touch with us, you can email us at mnktalkya at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook or Instagram at mnktalkya. Send us the worst thing you ever Googled. <laughs> the worst thing in your browser history. <laughs> oh my goodness. If you guys do that, maybe we'll read some of them. I don't know. <laughs> that would be so funny. <laughs> Anonymously, of course. Yes. <laughs> Except I'll probably Google all of them just because I'll be like, oh, I wonder what about that. <laughs> oh, I am curious about that. <laughs> oh, man. I'm totally going to get framed for a crime before we're done with this podcast. I'll be your ally. <laughs> if it happens between 8 o'clock and 9.30 on a Tuesday, <laughs> you'll have you a really good alibi. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Bye, bookworms. 
Go get a library card. M&K Talk YA is produced and edited by Marissa Snyder and Katie Bradford. Original music composition by Timothy Milkey. Logo design by Marissa Snyder. For updates and extras, visit mnktalkya.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. We would like to thank James Tobias, Chad Snyder, Meredith Kelfie, and Michael Howard for all of their support. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.